All right. Hey guys, what's up? Hope you are having a great day today. And welcome back to the Matthew Spaziti program with your host, yours truly, Matthew Spaziti, of course. Uh, anyways, uh, if you guys are new to the show, basically we talk about financial freedom and economics. We talk about controlling the source of your income and this doesn't necessarily mean being rich and wealthy and being independently wealthy, but it does mean to control the main source of your income by, well, by any means that you can, whether that is by owning a business, by, you know, investing in say real estate and having a rental property that brings you cash flow, whether that's investing in a ton of stocks and bonds that bring you income, income producing or income producing assets that bring you a lot of money, you know, whatever that means, that's what we're talking about. Becoming financially free, not relying on a boss to pay you money, not relying on a big corporation that is not doesn't really care about you and it doesn't really care about your goals and your dreams and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that businesses should. Honestly, the biz, the business's job, a corporation's job is to make money. That's it. Their job is not to care about you. And my mentor has said this over the years and I very, very much agree with this statement. But basically, he always used to say, that no one cares more about your money than you do. Okay? And I guess what he means by that is just and sure there are you have friends and you have family that care about you. I'm not trying to say that they don't. And in but in most cases, no one cares more about your money than you. You care more about your money than than anyone else because you earned it. You worked and worked and worked for it. And no one else did that job. No one else worked as hard as you to get that money. You were the one that did it. So no one's going to care more about it than you, which is why it's incredibly important that we control that money for ourselves. We need to control it so that we can ultimately become free and we can live freer and more prosperous lives. So that being said, guys, uh, today, uh, this is episode two. I titled it, What Really Threatens Your Liberty? And I wanted to really talk about this. I just got done listening to a podcast of uh, one of my mentors, and he had a really, really great, he said a lot of really great stuff. And in his podcast, he brought up a really, really good point. And that point was, what really threatens your freedom? What really threatens your liberty? And I think this is a really, really good point, a really good question to ask. I think a lot of people will say, you know, they will think politics. Some people, if you're a socialist, will think government or companies, corporations, greedy entrepreneurs, greedy, wealthy, white fat cats. That's what threatens your freedom. Or, or Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, Donald Trump. Everyone thinks if you're Republican, it was Obama or it was Clinton. It was um, it was Bill Clinton. When he was a president, and now if you're of the more democratic left-wing persuasion, you'll think Donald Trump, he threatens your liberty. And in reality, none of them are right. None of them really are. What? And I I, want to pose that question to you guys today. What, honestly, think about it. What really, truly threatens your freedom? You know, I'm not trying to say that a president can't make it more and more difficult for you guys to live. Okay, I'm not saying that politicians can't. But I don't really view this as a party issue. It's not really the Democrats. It's not really the Republicans. 
what I view as threatening, really, truly threatening my freedom today is authoritarianism. And I think authoritarianism could come from any direction. It could come from any party. It could, yeah, come from Donald Trump. It could come from Obama. But, you know, it it didn't come from Obama. Um, Although our government does engage in a lot of activities that are authoritarian in nature. Now, is our government completely authoritarian? No, it's not. And will our government ever be authoritarian in the future? You know, I really hope not. I love living in America. I'm going to say that right here and right now. I am very patriotic. I love my country. But I really love the ideas that my country stood for. And if I was going to be honest with you today, I would have to say that I don't necessarily feel our country represents what it used to stand for in the first place. Tolerance, freedom, individuality. These are aspects that used to be drilled into the core of most Americans and the American ideology. And it's just, it's really not anymore. You see more people flocking to collectivism, flocking to, you know, government interventionism, a a lot of isms, I know. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, without being nerdy, right? We see a lot of people wanting the government to fix every problem. You know, how many, I can't tell you how many times I literally am talking to a friend of mine or friends of mine and they all say, oh yeah, the government should do something about that. Oh yeah. You see, where, what happened in our country, in our culture that started to make us think that the, the solution to every problem was the government? The solution to every problem used to be ourselves. We need to find a way to fix the problem ourselves, not the government. And yet somehow... Now we have this tendency to think that, oh, well, you know, if something's wrong, we need to go to the government, go to the government and fix it. Guys, the reason I firmly hold this belief, and I didn't come up with the saying at all. I heard it from my mentor. He heard it from somebody else. But basically the saying is that politics is downstream from culture. Or I've heard it another way. And I believe I read it in a book. I don't remember which book I read it in. But a government is a direct representation of its people. Basically meaning that our government is the government we deserve. And that's a telling story when you look at our government today. We, it's our culture that defines our government. A lot of people look at companies today and they complain all the time about, well, why are companies getting so political? You know, years and years and years ago, you know, companies were never really political. In truth, companies have always been political. You know, companies have always been political, but there does seem to be an increase in the politicization of corporate America, of companies. And the question is why? Well, it's because it's the culture. The people that become politicians come out of our culture. They come out of our society. The people that become CEOs or CFOs or COOs or I don't know, maybe you're not even executive. The people that work for corporations, guys, they are from our culture. The problem isn't politics. Much like in our discussion yesterday where we talked about inflation, uh, for those of you who didn't fall asleep during that, uh, basically we, I, I said that Prices rising is merely a symptom of inflation or money exchanging hands quickly, you know, the velocity of money, that is a mere symptom of what inflation is. But that is not what inflation is. Those are just symptoms. 
what inflation really is, is the increase in the monetary supply. Okay? The increase in the in money. When you print more money and you now say, well, yesterday there was $1.5 billion and now there's $1.9 billion, you increased the supply of money, the monetary supply. Now, price inflation with prices rising as a result of injecting that money and circulating it into an economy, like I said, doesn't exactly rise evenly all throughout. But anyways, we're getting off on another tangent. My point is that politics and government are simply the symptom. What the actual problem and the disease is, is our culture. It's our society. That's what the problem really truly is. So what really threatens your liberty? Well, it's authoritarianism. It's the fact that our society wants to move towards authoritarian control because I don't, and I'm not entirely sure why or where this shift happened in American thought. And I don't, I don't really know. The best thing I can come up with is that somewhere down the line, we started to value safety and security over freedom. You see, when we're free, when there's a lot of freedom and a lot of liberty, there's a lot of risks that need to be accepted. You have to accept a lot of risk when you want to be free. This is a natural part of freedom. More freedom means more risks. Yes, bad things may happen. Okay. Horrible, horrible, bad things may happen, but it is a necessary risk that has to be accepted in order to maintain freedom. And there's a lot of people today that are so risk averse, they're unwilling to be free. They don't want to accept those risks. So much so that they are willing to kill others, to legitimately physically fight or shout other people down because they are so risk averse. And what they don't understand is their aversion to risk is actually pushing them to a riskier outcome. But I also don't believe that risk aversion is the only reason why people become radicalized in an authoritarian way. In fact, I think there is even a bigger reason uh, for this phenomenon, and I think it's really the idea that these people have allowed authoritarianism, their ideology, to become a religion to them. And as a result of that, their religion mandates that they are right, everyone else is wrong, and they are willing to effectively destroy anyone who comes against or says anything against what their ideology calls for. And I think it really has a lot to do with it. I think that that is, that is probably the primary reason that it, it has become a religion to them, and they have become zealots for that religion. And as a result of that, they are now under the mindset that we can't allow any kind of opposing thought or anything of the sort. And if any opposing thought survives, it will threaten their religion. Now, I don't understand why it will threaten their religion. I guess this also kind of comes from a, a very Marxist, communist idea where a man who lives in the world before a socialist or communistic society that sees that there are different classes and there's a hierarchy in society and there are the haves and the have-nots and all this kind of stuff, a man that grows up and lives in a society like that will never be able to accept their utopian society 
such as a no-class system, like a communist no-class society. They won't be able to accept that. So basically, that doctrine, that Marxist doctrine leads to killing everyone who was part of the original world where there were classes and all sorts of things. So, and this is a false ideology naturally, of course. I mean, I, I don't know any rational person who would honestly support this type of, this way of thinking. But there are people out there who do. And it's a lot like Avengers Endgame. So for those of you who haven't seen it, don't do not listen to a the, the, this particular section. This is a spoiler alert. But basically, Thanos illustrates this idea very, very well. Basically, what happens is after Thanos is successful with the snap, he come his past self sees the future and how the universe is not grateful. The universe is not prosperous. As a matter of fact. His actions made the universe worse off than what it was before, and he was under the impression, uh, falsely, that he was going to increase prosperity in the universe by killing off half the population of the overall universe because he believed that the resources were finite and that he was too ill-educated to understand that the resources will be used efficiently and that ultimately, you know, he doesn't know 100% how things are going to happen in the future. So he used that to justify killing off half the population of the entire universe. Well, by doing so, he was under, like I said, he was under the impression that it was going to be prosperous and his past self saw that it wasn't. So his past self basically decided that, well, of course it wasn't because all of the people that survived today in the universe, they knew of what the world was like beforehand. They liked their life They didn't really dislike it very much, and they were okay with it. They were not aware of the problem. So what I have to do is i got to kill everyone, slaughter them all, so then and only then could he generate this perfect society that he envisioned, a grateful society that effectively monitored and controlled populations and things of that nature. And this is a very communist Marxist idea. Getting back to what we were originally talking about, you know, this is an ideology that the evangelical left legitimately hold where if you have any kind of opposing thought, you are a threat to them. It's not enough to silence you. They have to kill your ideas altogether. And and they're basically trying to police the way that you think. So it's not just about risk aversion. It's not just about being too scared of the risk of freedom and liberty and, and wanting safety and security. Although I think at the core of it, that does have quite a bit to do with it. It's also about this evangelical left idea. And again, when I say the evangelical left... I'm not referring to the fact that there are Christians who are on the left. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the left ideology, the political ideology that they have, has become their religion. And these people are so radicalized that they cannot allow other alternative ideas to survive. And this is authoritarianism in its purest form. And it's incredibly important to recognize it. And... Even if you disagree on a slight amount with the idea of that the government shouldn't be the institution that fixes everything, or that maybe there is only two forms of genders, there's males and females, there are no others, 
or that maybe you don't support gay marriage or maybe you don't support homosexuality in general. If these are things that you don't support, your ideology cannot survive. They, they, they cannot allow it to live. Even though you're not saying that you hate gay people, even though you're not saying that you don't think that gay people should be allowed to be married, maybe you disagree with it on a personal level, but you don't disagree with it, but you don't think that they should not be allowed to marry who they want, you know, things of that nature, that's either way. If you disagree with the, these are like core tenets in their belief system. And if you disagree with the, any of that, then, well, you're evil and you need to be cut down. And your ideas cannot be allowed to flourish. You have to be destroyed. Your ideas have to be destroyed. Guys, it's this ideology that threatens your liberty. It's a, cult, it's a cultural ideology. It really is. It's an ideology that is starting to alter society, or at least certain portions of our society. And eventually, it will come to a head, and I don't really know what will happen. I don't know if there will be a war or what. who will gain. Right now, you have this big, powerful government that whoever gains power for it can effectively increase the power exponentially, turn around, and institute any kind of laws or anything that they want. So now, it's a battle for the government. But you see, once again... It's not an issue of politics, it's an issue of society. Society was the one that allowed and created this large government and fostered it and basically allowed it to flourish. We allowed that, we created it. And maybe you're a conservative or libertarian and you don't believe that the government, and you never really supported the government getting bigger or anything of sort. Okay, that's fine, but we as a society did allow it to happen. And therefore, we have to take responsibility for that, and we have to understand that it is the society that is creating the people that are going into politics, that are working at corporations, that have these crazy ideologies. This is our culture. This is our society. So the issue really isn't politics, although a lot of it plays out in politics. A lot of it plays out in voting and trying to get a different president and all this kind of stuff. But that's not really the disease. The disease is not politics. Politics is going to be the mechanism in which they're going to try and force change upon everybody else. And it will be a war between those who do not believe in the ideology and those who do because there is no reasoning with those people who are truly radicalized. There's no reasoning with them. Now, I'm not justifying war or violence or anything of the sort. That is not at all what I'm, what I'm saying. But I am saying that you can't reason with them. They won't see it. You can try. They won't listen. It doesn't matter. And this is one of the reasons why we need to become financially free. We need to widen our gaze and expand our knowledge on the subjects of economics, of trading, of finances, so that we can ultimately be ready for anything that comes our way. I think that the best answer is is to be ready so that when these bad times come, we can basically leave if necessary. Because, and one of the reasons I believe that is because I don't believe we can honestly stop it. Uh, we can. There is a very strong movement that is being created right now in the libertarian space and the, the conservative space. And uh, 
they do not stand for this stuff. And I mean, you've got people like Dave Rubin, you know, Tom Woods, you know, Bob Murphy. You've got all these really, really big names, uh, Michael Malice and uh, oh gosh, there's there's a ton of them. There's a ton of libertarians or or libertarian-esque type of people out there who are really striving to create a big movement. You guys, if you guys want to check out these libertarian ideas, go to Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org, or you could go to Fee.org, spelled exactly how it sounds, F-E-E.org. And there are a lot of libertarian articles, free market, uh, Austrian economic ideas that get posted there. And I mean, most of my reading that I do on a daily basis comes from Mises. the Mises Institute or the Foundation for Economic Education, which is what FEE stands for. And there is a very strong movement growing, but I don't know the future. I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I hope that we can all be tolerant of each other, but the left is authoritarianistic and they're intolerant of other people. The very nature of authoritarianism is intolerant of others. That being said, another aspect that I think that I, I didn't used to think about, I was reading a blog from a libertarian lady, and I'll be honest, I don't even remember the website. I only ever read like one or two blogs from her. She had some very, very good opinions. I liked a lot what she said. I think she was a, a European immigrant that had experienced authoritarianism in her country, and she her and her family fled. So she talks a lot about or at least the stuff that I read, she was talking quite a bit about the the dangers of authoritarianism and how the millions upon millions of people die and, and are murdered under authoritarian regimes, such as in, with Mao Zedong or, I mean, Kim Jong-un or uh, Hitler or Stalin or Mussolini. I mean, these guys murdered millions, millions upon millions of people when you consider the starvation and all the things that they created with their policies, the people, and they even murdered themselves, had their own goons, their thugs go out and kill people too. We do not want that here. But I think one of the reasons why Americans are so willing to give up their freedoms, I personally believe it's because freedom can be considered to be like a commodity. Okay, freedom is a commodity, and when freedom is in large supply, there's a lot of it, or at least the perception that there is a lot of it, people are more willing to give up more of it because they already have a lot. You know, it's kind of like, um, oh man, I don't really want to mention that term because then I'm going to have to explain it again. We're going to get off on another tangent, but it's, it's supply and demand, right? Yeah, the more supply you have the least value something becomes to you, that's that's the general idea. So the more freedoms you have, the less valuable freedom becomes to you. The less freedom you have, like people in North Korea under the regime of Kim Jong-un and his ilk, I mean, if you think about it, I, I would guarantee you that these people would love to defect from North Korea and live in South Korea where freedom is much, much more abundant than it is in North Korea. You know, the South Koreans, they have a lot of really weird laws. They, I think they just created a law that prevents people from staying up too late playing video games or something stupid like that. So I'm not saying personal freedoms are, are you know, 
so far there to the point where they're unheard of, where they just have so many freedoms, no country's ever heard of those freedoms before. No, I'm not saying that. But, you know, they do have a lot more freedoms than than North Korea. And look at South Korea. Look how prosperous they are. And maybe, I think that perhaps you can still have a lot of freedoms, and if there's the fear of North Korea coming in and taking over, which they would never do, because the minute they did that, it would spark a war, more than likely. But I guarantee you that the North Koreans would love to experience the freedoms that the South Koreans have. And that can be, and, and that can be stated for any authoritarian government out there. So anyways, guys, I mean, authoritarianism, not only does it murder millions, it takes away the freedoms of everyone. It makes everyone equally oppressed and equally poor and it and it kills and murders millions of women children everybody authoritarianism is the real threat to your freedom and every single time a crisis occurs these politicians will come out to you and they will ask for more freedom for more freedom from you. They will ask to pay for more freedom and they will keep you safe. Well, the Patriot Act was because of terrorism. Well, we need to enact the Patriot Act because your freedoms are so that we can protect your freedoms. But in reality, didn't we just give up more freedoms by allowing them to enact the Patriot Act? Every single time a crisis occurs, I mean, politicians, I, th I think it's been said that uh, there was, oh man, I can't remember who actually said this, but some somebody said this. And again, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and leave a comment section in below, in the section below and tell me who actually said this if you know. But somebody said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Politicians always use crisis to justify taking freedoms away. And market crashes are one of those crises that they do, okay? Market crashes are one of the crises that they create, they blame on capitalism, and then they turn around and say that we need to control capitalism. We need to take away more freedoms in order to prevent this from happening. When it was their meddling in the first place that created these problems, and again, we're not going to get into that today. That's a big economic lesson that I'd, uh, of what causes economic crashes and things of that nature. And we, I mean, we're almost at an hour already here. But I mean, guys, I mean, this is serious stuff. It's important you understand it. The biggest threat to your freedom, to your liberty, is authoritarianism. It's government. Okay, now I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. I'm not an anarchist. Okay, I told you I'm a classical liberal. I do believe that government, that there are regulations that genuinely help people. And I'm not advocating for zero government, nor am I advocating for people to rise up and overthrow the government. I mean, if you want to go ahead and try that, look, um, just disclaimer, I'm going to tell you don't do it, okay? You would be trying to overthrow one of the most powerful governments in the world, in the history of the world. One of the most powerful. Yeah, if you do that, you're probably gonna get thrown in jail or die. Don't do it. Don't try to overthrow the government. That's not how this is gonna work. And in reality, look at history. 
let's be students of history here. Let's look back historically. The vast majority of revolutions do not end in more freedoms. They tend to end in more authoritarianism than the, than the body that, we, that they overthrew. I mean, look no further than the French Revolution. They revolted against the monarchs. Then they instituted their own government, which was even more oppressive than the monarchy. And then uh, they instituted another government and another government. Before you know it, more people died under the, rev of, under the revolutionaries than that of the monarchs. And on top of that, they ended up back at monarchy with Napoleon Bonaparte. History is not on the side of revolutions, guys. It's just not. What happened in America where the revolution ended up in a freer uh, economy, a freer country, was, was not normal. It was not normal. And it was certainly not the average situation. We're just going to say that, okay? We're just going to leave it there. It was not normal. Guys... A lot of what I'm saying here seems very depressing. And a lot of you are going to be like, well, okay, Matthew, what's your solution? How are you going to fix this? Okay, that's fine. Look, I'm not going to give, again, I don't give recommendations because I have no idea what your personal financial situation looks like. I'm not going to give recommendations on that point, but here, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Okay. I'm trying to create something called mobile income where I can make money online no matter where I live in the world. And I'm going to be doing it through affiliate marketing, selling other people's products that I have used and I like. I'm going to be doing it by maybe someday selling my own products. Maybe I'm going to create courses or something of that nature. Maybe I'll create a book. I don't really know. I hope to sell services someday with regards to trading. I hope to be to start a signal service where once I'm consistently profitable for a number of years, I you can subscribe to my list and I will send you the signals and you determine whether you want to take the trade or not. You know, that's what I would like to do, but I'm nowhere near that point yet. Okay. I'm nowhere near that point, but, um, and then also I want, I'm trying to generate income with my blog, with my YouTube channel, with this podcast. And I'm also hoping to generate income via trading as well. And I'm hoping that I will have so many different income streams coming from all over the place that I've not only diversified where I'm getting my income from, but I'm also getting them from the internet. It's all online. It's all mobile. So I can up and leave if anything really, truly bad happens. If anything really, truly bad occurs and an authoritarian, you know, Trump turns authoritarian or, or, you know, Trump gets ousted in the next election cycle and some authoritarian socialist comes in and starts ushering in a new authoritarian age or whatever that I can leave. Now, granted, I hope none of that happens because that's in a very short period of time and I'm not making any money whatsoever. But you guys get the point, right? That's what I'm doing. Trying to become financially free by taking control of the source of my income, making it mobile, so that I can up and leave and go wherever I want. And I do believe that at some point in time, hopefully not in my future, hopefully not in my children's future, but I believe America will descend into some kind of authoritarian control. And I do believe that at some point in time, America will become the worst violators of human rights 
than any other country known on this earth. And that's all speculation, but I think that could be a possibility. Just think of the irony of it. America, the country that was known, it, we were known for our freedoms and liberties, our respect for our fellow neighbors, for our willingness to tolerate and to be offended. We were known for our culture and our freedom. And now, and I think in the future, we're going to be known for oppression, poverty, hatred. I, I don't think it's going to be good. And guys, I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know the future. I, and I, I don't have a crystal ball. Like I've said many times, I hope that I'm wrong. But I'm afraid I'm not. And I, re, and I am deathly scared that I'm not. So it's just one of those things, guys. I mean, but it's something that we all need to, we all need to aspire to. We all need to work towards creating and generating mobile income so that if these bad things occur, when they occur, we can be prepared and we w- and we can protect our families and our friends and hopefully anybody that needs help. That's why it's so important that we become financially free. So anyways, guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Thank you so much for coming and listening to me. I really appreciate it. I can't express to you how much I appreciate you guys being here. I love each and every one of you guys. And guys, if you do some stuff for me, I'd be very grateful to you. Guys, please, first and foremost, is I want you to share the show. Guys, there are people that need to hear this message of financial freedom and economics, and they need need to hear the message that government is always the problem. It's the government intervention that is always the problem. And it, and it comes from our culture and our society. And the only way we're going to change that is not through politics. It's not through voting at your voting box, okay? That's not how you're going to change it. That won't change anything. The only way to change it is to change our culture, change society and the way we view things, get people more independently minded. All right. The only way we're going to do that is by spreading the message of freedom, liberty, financial freedom and economics. That's the only way we're going to do it. Teach people how to become free and more independent from their boss, from the government. Teach them how to fish and you will feed them for a lifetime. It's a, it's a great biblical principle where it talks about you give a man a fish, you only fed him for a day. You teach a man to fish and you'll feed him for a lifetime. That's what I'm hoping we're going to do here, guys. We're going to teach people how to fish. We're going to teach people how to make money without a job, without an employer. We're going to teach them that they don't need to be reliant on government. That if they're that if they come here and we all become successful, we're going to make more money than we've ever even heard of. That I truly believe that. Financial freedom, guys. That's what it's all about. And guys, if you haven't already, please go check out my my Facebook page, New Millennium Wealth. Uh, Don't forget to check out the blog, uh, newmillenniumwealth.com and the YouTube page, Matthew Spazzitti. Guys, also, please share the show. It's incredibly important that we get this message of financial freedom and economics out there. And we get this message that government is not the answer to the problems. 
And what's going to solve this is not voting at the voter box, but what's going to solve this is not through politics, but through culture. And how we change culture is by spreading this message of financial freedom, financial liberty, and economics. Guys, if you'll do all that for me, I will see you guys in the next episode. Know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.